Well, good morning. I'm glad that you're in church today. I can't think of any place better to be, can you? The reason I hesitate a little bit, Joshua told me, now, Pastor, there's a big ending and there's a soft ending to this song. And I, I have many times before gotten up after the big ending and then they continue singing. I've got egg all over my face. So I was real careful to wait to get the signal from Joshua. So this morning, I want to speak to you on the subject, the creator. If you take your Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 1. You know, the opening line of a book is absolutely crucial. It has the power to grab our attention and to draw us into the heart of that book and to read it with comprehension. Do you recognize these opening lines? All children except one grow up. What is that? That's Peter Pan. It was a cold, bright day in April, and the clocks were striking 13. 1984 by George Orwell. I know you're going to get this. It was the best of times, and it was the worst of times. A Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens. Call Me Ishmael, Moby Dick by Herman Melville. In a hole in the ground, there lived a hobbit. The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien. Once there were four children whose names were Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis. And then this one. Where's Papa going with that axe? That's Charlotte's Web by E.B. White. Great books have great opening lines. Let me give you another opening line. And it's the opening line of the best-selling book in history. Here's how it goes. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Here's the open door that leads us into the story of stories and the truth of all truths. You can't get to any other part of the Bible if you don't go through Genesis 1.1. So we come to this amazing book today, believing that the word of God is truth without mixture of error. We come to this word today, believing that the word of God is the word of God not the word of man. We come today to this amazing book, hearing what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 119, verse 128, when he said, therefore I esteem right all your precepts concerning everything. You hear that? The psalmist said, I esteem right all your precepts concerning everything. And then John 17, 17, where Jesus said, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. He prays to God the Father. When the Bible speaks to history, it is right and true. When the Bible speaks to prophecy, it is right 
and true. When the Bible speaks to science, it is right and true. When the Bible speaks about God, it is right and true. So today we're beginning a new series of sermons that I've entitled Thinking Straight in a Crooked World. We're going to be going verse by verse through the first 11 chapters of Genesis. And we begin today with the opening line of this book. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, you might be wondering, why in the world would this pastor be preaching on the first 11 chapters of Genesis in a time like we're living in today? Well, that's the very reason I'm preaching this series of sermons, because of the time in which we live in today. These first 11 chapters are foundational in that they set the stage for redemption, for the promise of the Messiah, for the doctrines of God, the kingdom, for the origin of the universe, marriage, government, life, good and evil. Genesis is an absolute essential if we're going to be the believers that God has called us to be, and if we're going to believe what God wants us to believe. Genesis is important to the New Testament. There are over 200 direct quotations and allusions to the book of Genesis in the New Testament itself. Did you know that Jesus spoke to the importance of believing what we're going to be studying in the next several weeks? He said this in John 5, verse 46 and 47, to the scribes and the Pharisees. He said this, for if you believed Moses, now who wrote Genesis? Moses wrote Genesis. In fact, Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. So Jesus said, if you believed Moses, you would believe me for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Jesus said, listen, if, if you won't believe the first 11 chapters of Genesis, how are you going to believe the words of Christ himself? You do believe in the creator and his creation, don't you? I hope and pray you do. I hope and pray that you'll be here for every sermon of this series because every sermon is so vital to our spiritual lives. So let's dig a little deeper into this opening line of the Bible. Notice the first three words. In the beginning. Everything can be traced back to a beginning point. In fact, the word Genesis means beginning. And this is very important because our sense of worth as human beings are tied inextricably to our origin. It's important that we know where we came from. So these chapters answer the big worldview questions that help us to shape what we believe and what our convictions are. These first 11 chapters answer the question, who are we? It answers the question, where did we come from? It answers the question, what's wrong with the world? And it answers the question, what's the solution 
to the world's big problems today. A solid belief in the book of Genesis and especially the first 11 chapters is a prerequisite to understanding who God is and his importance to the entire human race. And that brings us to the next part of the Bible's opening line. In the beginning, what? God. In the beginning, God. There's no philosophical reasons given for believing in God. There are no logical reasons given for believing in God. The Bible simply states, in the beginning, God. God. God is presented as a matter of fact. You say, but I I don't feel like there's a God. Let, Let me say this to you. Facts don't care about feelings. They don't. This is a fact. And this is the way it's presented here in the opening line of the Bible. In the beginning, God. Not philosophers, not scientists. In the beginning, God. Not preachers. Not politicians, in the beginning, God. God. The Hebrew word for God here is Elohim. The name extols God's greatness, superiority, and the power of his spoken word. The name Elohim is a plural noun, but every verb in our text is singular. You you say, what's with that, Pastor? Well, here's the importance of that and, and what it means to us today. There is one God. There is only one God. But that one God has eternally existed in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all of whom are co-equal. It's called the Trinity. Let me tell you, the Trinity is involved in creation, and we're going to see that in in the weeks to come. I want you to understand today, as we move forward in our study that the fact that there is a God is so important. Notice it's not God's. In the beginning, God's. It's not there. It's one God. One God. One day, the students in Albert Einstein's class informed him that they had decided there was no God. The professor asked them how much of all the knowledge in the world they possessed. And and they got together and they began to talk among themselves. And and they came back to Professor Albert Einstein, one of the most brilliant men who's ever lived on the face of the planet. And they said to him, sir, we believe that we've got 95% of all knowledge. Now, Albert Einstein thought they had, had overestimated their intellectual capacity. But he went with it. He said, okay, is it possible that God could exist in the 95% you don't know? Boy, that's brilliant, isn't it? What a brilliant answer. God is the only one who reveals to us who we are and why we exist 
Do you believe in the one true God who is revealed in the opening line of the Bible? Do you? Now notice next in this opening line. In the beginning, God created. That word created is used in the Old Testament consistently in reference to a new activity. It occurs in the creation account seven times. And the striking features of this word, this Hebrew word, are that its subject is always God. This particular Hebrew word, the subject is always God. It conveys that God alone is the creator. There are not multiple creators. There's only one God and there's only one creator. It always refers to the product created, not the stuff from which it was created. You know what the Bible teaches here in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2? It says that God created everything from nothing. He created from nothing. He spoke it into existence. Listen to this. Here's another thing about this word. All things and all people have their ultimate origin in God. I want you to see that the theme of creation is scattered throughout the Bible. In fact, this term created is found most often in Isaiah. It's found 20 times in Isaiah from Isaiah chapter 40 to Isaiah chapter 66. Now, there are a lot of key verses related to creation, and I want to share some with you. And I don't mean to monopolize our time by by going and re- over Scripture and regurgitating Scripture, but I can't think of a better thing to regurgitate than Scripture. How about you? L- listen to what the Bible says about creation. See, I believe there's a lot of people who believe that creation is only located in Genesis 1 and 2. That's a bad assumption. In Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 6, The Bible says, you alone are the Lord. You have made the heavens, the heaven of heavens with all their hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to all of them and the heavenly host bows down before you. In Job 38 verses 1 to 4, remember Job had trouble with God. God allowed Job to experience some suffering and Job really struggled with why God would allow him to suffer And then God showed up. Remember remember that in the last part of the book? In Job 38, 1 through 4, the Bible says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now gird up your loins like a man, and I will ask you, and you instruct me, says God. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. The creator God says to Job, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? In Psalm 33, 6, the Bible says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. In Jeremiah 32, 17, the prophet said, ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arms. Nothing is too difficult for you. 
I'm telling you, folks, if you believe Genesis 1-1, you will have no trouble believing that Jesus could walk on water. If you believe Genesis 1-1, you'll have no trouble believing that Jesus could take a few loaves and a few fish and feed 5,000 men, not counting women and children. If you believe Genesis 1-1, you'll have no trouble believing that Elijah was carried to heaven in a fiery chariot. Nothing is too difficult for God. In John 1, 1 through 3, the Bible says, in the beginning was the word. Notice, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. That's speaking of Jesus. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. And it speaks of the, the, the role that Jesus played in the creation of the world and the heavens. In Acts 17, 24, Paul on Mars Hill, speaking to the most intelligent, wise people in, in Greece at that time, said, the God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, Paul wrote, for by him all things were created, both in heaven's and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether the thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. You know who's holding everything together today? You know who's holding our, our solar system in, the, uh, in its place, uh, the planets in their orbits? It's Jesus. That's what this is teaching us. And then finally, you say, Pastor... Is that all you're going to go? And I got one more. <laughs> Revelation 4.11. Do you know that creation is mentioned in Revelation? From Genesis to Revelation. In Genesis, excuse me, Revelation 4.11, there's worship in heaven. Worthy are you, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things... And because of your will, they existed and were created. Francis Schaeffer, in his short study entitled Genesis and Space and Time, concluded, I quote, Creation is as, is as historically real as the history of the Jews and our own present moment of time. Both the Old and New Testaments deliberately root themselves back into the early chapters of Genesis, insisting that they are a record of historical events. Folks, when we study Genesis 1 through 11, we're not studying an allegory. We're studying biblical history, the history that God has revealed to the human race. The Bible is a tapestry of truth. To say that you reject the story of the creator and his creation in Genesis 1 and 2 while ignoring the rest of Scripture's teaching on this vital theme is disingenuous and hypocritical. As a result, the entire Bible will unravel before your eyes if you reject the idea of a creator God and his creation. Unfortunately, Many people in our world today 
refuse to believe in the simple, straightforward statement of the opening line of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. They can't say it. You know why they can't say it? Because they know if they say it, it makes them accountable to this God, to this creator God. It means they can't do their own thing. It means they can't think what they want to think and do what they want to do. It means that one day they will stand before the creator God and give an account for their lives. In Romans chapter 1 verse 25, Paul wrote, For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. You see, here's the danger. If you reject the creator, he will give you over to impurity, to degrading passions, and to a depraved mind. If you say, Pastor, I will never believe Genesis 1 and 2. I will never believe that there is one God. I will never believe that this one God created everything, spoke it into existence out of nothing. I'll never believe it, Pastor. Then, my friend, you are in serious, serious danger today. On the other hand, the one who believes in the Creator is blessed beyond measure. That's true even in the most difficult circumstances of life. I remember in the New Testament, the apostles were being persecuted by the Jews, by the Jewish leadership. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 4, verse 23 and 24, listen to how they prayed when they got out of that persecuting persecution moment and they got back with the church listen to what they prayed and when they had been released they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them verse 24 listen this and when they heard this they lifted up their voices to God with one accord and said oh Lord it is you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them our God they knew this. Our God is sovereign over everything and everyone. Nothing is too difficult for God. And what a, what a comfort that is for us when we're going through difficult, trying moments in our lives, when a loved one dies and we're full of grief, when we have a child who's living in rebellion, When we see the things that happened in Memphis this past week, and it concerns all of us in those moments, we need to know from the top of our head to the tips of our toes that there is a creator God, and He's in charge. He's in charge. Nothing catches him by, by surprise, and nothing is too difficult for God. You see, everything that's happening today is moving toward a moment of culmination of con and consummation. Everything is headed toward that time when the Lord Jesus will come again, and he will rule and reign forever and ever and ever. 
And we'll worship him around the throne. And we'll worship him as a creator God. Oh, what a moment that will be. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The creator God spoke the heavens and the earth into existence. And you say, what makes that so special, pastor? Have you stopped to consider the greatness of God's universe? We, we live in the Milky Way galaxy. Our earth is a planet revolving around a star in the Milky Way galaxy. And there are over 200 billion stars in the Milky Way galaxy. There are millions of galaxies beyond the Milky Way galaxy. Our galaxy is shaped like a giant spiral rotating in space. It would take 250 million years for our Milky Way galaxy to make one rotation. Our closest neighbor is the Andromeda galaxy, which is about 12 trillion miles away. Our sun is one star in this massive galaxy. And, and get this now. God spoke all of this into existence just like that. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that God named all the stars. All the billions and trillions of stars, God named each and every one of them. Oh, how powerful and awesome is our creator God. No wonder David wrote in Psalm 19, verses 1 through 4, the heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their utterances to the end of the world. You know what David's saying? He's saying, look, when you go out on a beautiful, clear night, away from the lights of the city, and you look up into that dark space and you see billions and millions of stars, he said, those stars are telling a story. You know what they're saying? They're saying there is one creator there's one creator, God, and he created everything out of nothing. He simply spoke it into existence. And it's like the stars and the, the, the comets and the, 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 the things that are part of our heavens are declaring to every person who will look up into them and say, you better bow down before your creator. Worship him. Worship him. God is speaking through his creation. You know what we must do? When you look at creation, we've got to forever put away the idea, the insane idea that all of this was created by chance. I 
Listen, this design, the design of a human body indicates that there is a designer. You look up into the sky and everything is in perfect symmetry and harmony. You notice, I've been, I'm 68 years old, I've never seen stars colliding with each other. I've never seen it. Have you? I've never seen a meltdown of the heavens. Have you? God created this. And when you look at it and you see how everything works together, you've got to know in your heart, if you're honest, if you're honest, you've got to say, none of this was done by chance. It's the handiwork of God, the creator. So we have a, the greatest opening line in any book that's ever been written. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Today in this first sermon in this new series, here's my challenge to you. Think straight about the creator and his creation. Last week we said you got to, to, to live right, you got to think right. But you can't think right if you don't think straight about the creator and his creation. This is something that we have to get set in our hearts and our minds. Think straight about the creator and his creation. And in the next few weeks, we'll begin to go through this creation and we'll look how we must think straight once we think straight about the creator and his creation, we can think straight about family. We can think straight about gender. We can think straight about nations. We can think straight about sin and judgment and good and evil. But we can't think straight about these things until we think straight about our creator and his creation. This amazing all-powerful creator has made a way for you to be reconciled to him. That's amazing that he would want us to be with him, that he would not desire for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. In 1 Peter 3.18, the Bible says, for Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Do you know in Genesis 3.15 is the first prophecy of a coming Messiah and Savior to the world that God created. Genesis 3.15. And I'll tell you that prophecy came true. 2,000 years ago, the Lord Jesus, the Son of God, was manifested in human flesh. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. And he was raised from the dead so that we could have the gift of eternal life and we could be reconciled to God. Let me ask you, would you like to be reconciled to God today? I'm sure there are those who are watching live stream. There are those in this room and you've never believed in Jesus. Oh, you've believed about him. 
but you've not believed in him. There's a difference. When Paul was in Philippi, the Philippian jailer said to him, what must I do to be saved? You know what Paul said to him? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and your family. So I'm asking you today, are you ready to believe in Jesus? Are you ready to turn from life that you've been living and put your faith and trust in Christ alone as your Savior and Lord? I'm going to invite our staff and our worship team to come and we're going to have a time of worship here in just a moment. And during that time of worship, I'm going to invite you, if you're in this room and you've never repented of your sin and placed your faith in the one Savior that the one Creator God has provided, the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm going to invite you to come to a staff member and just simply say to them, today, I want to believe in Jesus. We'll help you with that decision. Or you may have a special need in your life. And you want one of our staff members to pray for you. I encourage you, come to them. They'll pray for you. Or you may want to come to the altar today. You may want to bow your knee before the Creator and pray about a particular matter in your life. I encourage you to come. The amazing, all-powerful Creator has expectations for everyone who believes in His Son. You know what God expects out of those who believe in his son. He expects us to walk in truth. He expects us to obey him. He expects us to worship him. He expects us to love him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. And if you're a believer here today, I invite you to come to the altar and just recommit, renew your commitment to Jesus the Son of God today. Let me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you so much for the opening line of the Bible. I thank you for all that it means. And Heavenly Father, I pray that you would use your Word and the Spirit of God to bring people to saving faith in Christ and to help believers to renew their commitment to Christ. We love you and thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.